Namaste everyone. Welcome to the Charvak podcast. This is your host Kushal Mehra welcoming you to another interesting chat today. Today's subject is on depression. What is depression? What are the different facets of it? Uh, what do we know about it? How do we unpack it? So I've been uh, actually if you guys uh, remember in my last monologue somebody in the live stream in the monologue I think it was Swishti Call if I remember her name correctly she had suggested to me Kushal you need to do a discussion on how covid this entire pandemic is actually having an adverse effect on mental health and nobody's talking about it and I was like you know what I actually have a friend who's a who's a doctor and who's a trained psychiatrist I was like what the hell I should actually talk about it so uh i'll just tell you a bit about my guest today so my guest today is dr nayanika barat she is a practicing psychiatrist she did her dpm in india and later followed it up with a fellowship in australia so without further ado nayanika welcome to the charvak podcast hi kushal thanks for having me so nayanika let's start first with actually defining depression clinically because there seems to be a lot of terminological confusion so so i'll just explain my question i'll unpack it a mm-hmm. little more so mm-hmm. what happens is where you 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 hear this word i am depressed being dropped a lot you know a lot mm-hmm. of times you'll hear just casual conversations ki somebody will come and tell oh yaar i'm feeling very depressed i i feel very mm-hmm. depressed but you as a as a doctor and as a trained psychiatrist for for y'all uh, depression means uh, a very specific thing so could you start by actually explaining to everybody over here what do you guys mean at your level at a clinical level when you diagnose someone as being depressed i think that's a really good point you make that a lot of people say that are uh, they're depressed and what they actually mean is they're sad they're sad about something that uh, that's happened in their lives maybe they've missed the bus and they say that they're depressed that kind of thing happens uh from from a clinical po- point of view we only di- diagnose people with with depression using certain criteria and it depends i mean there are two main kinds of classifications one is by the who i know it's in everybody's bad books at the moment but anyway it exists and they have the have the icd the international classification of diseases and uh, and that actually exists for everything it's uh, it's used worldwide for billing and diagnosis and everything and the, and the other one is by the american psychiatric association and that's called the dsm or the diagnostic and statistical manual so so both of those overlap to a large extent on how they diagnose depression um and what both of them say is that you have to have uh, a low mood and for children you might have an irritable mood and and that's kind of important because often with kids it's quite rare to see kids saying that they're sad they're more likely to uh, snap at their parents snap at friends uh, even t- teenagers and the the other thing is is a lack of joy and then there's uh, a number of other things like there's um, a loss of appetite uh, or weight there's problems sleeping there's problems uh, um 
there's problems with uh, your thoughts either going too fast or too slow. Uh, sometimes when people are extremely depressed, you can tell even by the way, way they walk because they're walking really slowly and moving really slowly. And, uh, and they have thoughts of guilt. Often, often uh, they think they've done something really awful when they haven't done anything, thoughts of guilt. They have problems ma making up their minds. You have people who, who can't uh, get going in the morning because they can't decide whether to wear a red shirt or a blue shirt. That's too hard for them. And, uh, and, and feeling, and one thing that's really com common is tiredness, thoughts of uh, uh, tiredness or fatigue. Um, the one and the one that's really important here because I think it's how we've started to talk about it, it's thoughts of death and suicide and it might be and and it might be plans and it might not be plans. Uh, but thoughts of death or suicide almost almost every day. Uh, all these symptoms have to be there almost every day and it has to go on for a period of at least two weeks. So you know it's not like I think I think all of us have had that that an exam has gone bad and you're upset for a couple of days and and then you know you 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 watch a film you can have a joke and you're and you're good but this is something quite different and uh, that's what is diagnosed that's what is called major depression and there and there are other kinds like. A lot of the people I think on social media who talk about being depressed all the time have something else that's called dysphymia, um, or or the new uh, the new term for for it is a persistent depression, and that really means that people are depressed uh, have they're not as depressed as they as they would be. They don't have all these symptoms, but they have some some of these symptoms. And, and it goes on for at least two, two years or one year if it's a child. And uh, a lot of these people, it's, it's basically a depressed mood and, uh, and tiredness and, and loss of enthusiasm. But a lot of these people can actually function reasonably well. And the, the significant thing with a major depression is that it really has to impact your functioning from day, day to day. It's uh, so, so you know, most people who say that they're depressed, if they're still going to work, still coping, then obviously they're not really, they're not really depressed. They're going through a hard time, but they're not managing. Um, and there are other things and there are other kinds of depression, like for instance, in women, there's a, there's a dysphoric disorder. It's called PMDD or premenstrual dysphoric disorder. It's two weeks ahead of of the periods, and uh, and the treatment for for that is completely different. And and there are other kinds of depression, like there's a bipolar depression in people that have a bipolar disorder. Um, his depression that comes as a result of certain illnesses, me medical illnesses. 
often I think when people are talking about depression, they're talking about an adjustment disorder with a depressed mood, such when something bad has happened and it and it stays for a little while, and uh, and that can stay with you for a couple of weeks, and uh, and if there's a if there's a reason for you to be upset or depressed, you wouldn't call that a major depression straight away. So that's what they used to call a situational crisis or a situation depression. And, and so that's what really makes a depression. It's not really just being sad or having one bad day. It's, it, it's, it's a lot more than that. So uh, I had a follow-up for this. So how much of a role does... Uh, so I have always found this... Uh, you know, every time I try to raise this question uh, to anybody, uh, and, I, and I come from a point of curiosity, not surety. So even now when I'm uh, asking you this question, it comes from a point of curiosity, not surety. That how much of our, our inherent genetic makeup... So a life as we know is a mixture of uh, nature and nurture it's not just nature so because then we would be committing the naturalistic fallacy but the point is how much of your inner genetic makeup also have a very important role in actually kind of figuring out whether we are depressed are there any studies that are done that actually try and find out what kind of a gene genome plays a role when it comes to depression and stuff like that yeah so so i mean as you know Everybody who studies health loves uh, identical twin studies, and most identical twin studies show that the concordance that means that if one twin has uh, a diagnosis of depression, there's above a 50% chance that the other twin will. I think most studies show 50 to 60. Um, Hard differs from study to study. I've seen some that actually say 80 to 90, but I think. I think that would be quite unusual. We don't get the kind of studies that we used to earlier because things have changed where you would have uh, twins that were brought up in different homes and then those were still about 50 to, those were still around 50. Twins brought up together are around the 60 or 70 months easily. So, so you're right, I think, you know, it's not, only your genes it it really has to be has to be a perfect storm of of events that may make it happen and that's the case for a lot of mental illness all right so now let us get into covid specifically so actually i was having this thought uh, a, a while ago that you know, I was watching, don't ask me why, I just watched these jail documentaries about gangs and the worst gangs in jail. Yes, guilty. I, I like that kind of stuff. But so the one thing I found very interesting when I was observing all these, uh, you know, these are hardened criminals, like sociopaths who've committed murders and stuff like that, and brutal, gruesome crimes. They are not scared of a seven foot man who might have 20 inch biceps who could crush them literally. They're not scared of that. But what they're scared of was very, something very weird. And I mean, I found it so shocking when I saw it. I, I remember watching it and I was like, wow, 
this man is not scared of that seven foot monster who has killed everyone and he's willing to share that little walk ground in the jail with that or the one thing they're scared of every one of them is solitary confinement now let me kind of extend it to what the situation is with the lockdown and covid and and you know the 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 sporadic effects that are kind of do, doing and obviously i want you to uh, talk more about it is what what do you think are the reasons so what is it that triggers this primate brain so much that the most hardened of criminals actually are so scared of solitary confinement and do you think that is also one of the reasons that our primate brain is really having so many problems in in the current lockdown scenario where we are kind of stuck at home especially you know think about the scenario you live in mumbai most of us live in apartments or or small apartments one bedroom two bedroom apartments and uh, do you know you know how it is in mumbai right or to to make our lives worse we we put box grills now it's not allowed but in all the old as if it was not enough to have windows as like nahi main tumhe jail mein dalunga box grill bhi lagao andar and we have these box grills so you're literally living in a jail that's like a jail so can you unpack for all of us what is it that solitary confinement scares the shit out of us so I, so i think there are a couple of things you've read here but i'm going to go with talking about solitary confinement you probably know more, more about this than 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 i do but i'm pretty sure that solitary uh, confinement is uh, is a length of solitary confinement if it's done to an enemy soldier is a war crime i think as far as i remember it can't be done beyond a certain amount of time and uh, and 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 for instance even in jails even in uh, in psychiatric hospitals there there have to be there has to be a really good reason like for instance where where i work ideally uh, if somebody is really agitated and they have to be calmed down in a low stimulus environment they're not supposed to be on their own for more than about 3 3 hours if possible and uh, and you're right the the reason is that we've we've evolved to be sociable after after a certain amount of time if there's if there's sensory de- deprivation even people who've never had a mental illness start, start to hear things start to see things um our our mind starts to play tricks tricks on us so so yes yes i do think that's part of it but but i don't think that's the only reason that this has happened with covid it's because i mean there are so many things that have happened here uh with with covid and the most important one i think you know is the loss of certainty like uh it's quite hard for us to accept uncertainty and that and that, and that it exists and uh, i think really that we have such little control over what happens to our lives and this is an issue that i have with uh, with a lot of self help books and so on that say try and take control of your life and and things like that and to some extent it's good but there's nothing that anybody could have done that would have prepared them or saved them from the situation where they have to be in isolation for covid uh, so so there are some things that are just not in your control and that's quite hard for us to realize because from childhood we 
we are brought up, we are trained to to act as if everything is is under our control, and this uncertainty and 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 not being able to control anything, I think it has affected everybody quite badly. Uh, but I mean, there are of course obvious reasons that people don't don't have don't have work. Lots of people don't don't have work. I think in Australia. Uh, Six million people were uh, were out of out of work or lost jobs, and this is a country of 24, 25 million pe people. So you know you're you're talking of, um, and and a lot of them had had other jobs. So, but because there are a lot of people who work two and three part time jobs, but. Uh, there were still five to six million people who lost jobs, and several countries worldwide have an have an unemployment rate at the moment of about 20, 30 percent, and a youth unemployment rate of about 50 percent. So, so, so obviously, you know, with Maslow's hierarchy, there are people who now don't know where the next meal will come from, whether where the rent will come from. I've I've actually seen. Indian students from Fairly, and they look like they're from middle class families in queues for food and rent vouchers um, in places in Australia, and it must be quite humiliating for them. I I imagine because they're obviously from reasonable backgrounds, and lots of people, even ones that aren't aren't Indians, lots of middle class people have have had to go and put their hands out across the world for and. And ask for some help, and uh, and there's a certain perceived loss of dignity in this, and that hasn't helped. I think something that people don't really re realize though is that a lot of us get some sense of purpose from our work, um, and not being able to go to work if I'm so, and I think that's the case especially for men, uh, even more than women. Uh, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not a provider, if I'm, then who am I? And uh, and that's quite hard. So so a lack of purpose is something that's really hard to deal with. One one book that I recommend to everybody who can read it is Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, which I think you've probably read here, and uh, and that talks a lot about how how what we really need is is a purpose in life to keep us going and a lot of people have have lost this the isolation of course if you live live on your own that might be a problem but even if you don't live live on your own people have been cooped up in these three or four people bubbles and and people who are married, for instance, couples and families, they are not used to spending 24-7, you know, in one room, in one place all the time, especially, as you mentioned, in Mumbai. It's a different thing, say, in the country where houses are larger and you might sit in two different rooms. But in Mumbai, most people are probably sit sitting and talking to each other continuously 24-7, and I think that's, uh, that's not meant to happen. That's just not how marriage has evolved over the centuries. Nobody is meant to spend 24-7 with each other. 
And so I think that's caused issues. And of course, having to teach children and having to deal with them and then having to deal with their not being able to go out, their not being able to play. So 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 all of that has 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 added up. And then you look at just the everyday problems like people who were already unwell, um, cancer treatment, broken legs, all kinds of pain and suffering that uh, are even harder to get help for because we're because of this basically yeah so here's my follow up then now what what i have found something okay we we kind of get it that we're stuck in this we have no option we 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 try to find meaning in our lives on a constant basis and and i like the idea that you mentioned victor frankel because i would highly recommend everybody to read that book uh, i think it was two books like man search for meaning and then again he wrote man search for the ultimate meaning although i think even two paragraphs were hardly different in the first book and the second book but theek hai maine dono le liye aur paise waste kar diye but uh, i don't know why i bought the second one but yeah it's it's a must read book but but here's my question now and and it's related to the first question where we kind of defined what depression is specifically but what i see right now and 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 i want to ask you before i get into this one actually and this is so true because i've seen this with my grandparents uh you know my nani or my dadi she would not have a lot of issues as she kept on getting older they were kind of used to the idea of uh, staying at the house or staying a larger amount of time at the house because as and when you get old your your physical abilities drop off and and your your ability to go out kind of reduces right you can't walk so much various physical reasons and i clearly remember that you know the one person who had the most problems i clearly remember in my own life is my nana my nana was a army man always in charge everybody is in order you know i'll fix the fan i'll fix the bathroom i'll fix the lock i'll fix everything and then that thing falls off now i want to relate this to covid where as you said we're kind of used to you know having a routine in life so uh, is it about the routine being disturbed then then okay and we all know it's a temporary change in routine because whether we like it or not we are entering the phase of social darwinism now where basically people are going to go out no matter what so people are going to go out but while the ones who are staying at home so what could be the tangible tips according to you in your opinion that we could practice what what are specific tools are there some mental exercises are there some physical exercises are there certain tools that we can use while we are living and we are stuck in these cages in our houses in mumbai or other parts in, of india what, what do you recommend we do while we are stuck in this quagmire i think to a large extent people are doing a lot of that they uh, you know they're not losing touch and that's one reason why the initial expression was social distancing and then they changed that to physical distancing because when we are we are only trying to put a physical distance in between us and other people and not lose touch with other people so it's really important to stay in touch with other people um it's it's important to try and uh, and find me- meaning in uh, other things and and you know it's something to to think about lo- longer term that none of us is going to work forever i mean hopefully 
hopefully not. We are all going to retire at some point. And, and one thing that people often face when they retire is that they've put their entire identity and time in their jobs and there isn't anything left for them. There's nothing, uh, and just sit at home. And as you mentioned, your your na nana, he he couldn't deal with being being at home and uh, and having a disability and uh, not being in charge. So so I think it's something to think about that we need to get some other interests that have some meaning. And everybody isn't going to sing. Everybody isn't going to cook. But uh, you know, some some people are going to be able to take up an exercise routine. Some people are going to be able to read. Um, I think what's been making it so hard for everybody, as I said earlier, is a lack of certainty. Like you're you're saying, it's a phase of social Darwinism, but it might not. I mean, it's happening now, but you don't know at what point there's going to be another lockdown. And, there, and, and most experts think that there are going to be seven lifting up of the lockdowns and lockdowns over and over until there's, un, until there's a vaccine or until everybody's immune, which I hope hasn't happened because it would mean that millions of people will die in the meantime. Uh, so, so to keep in touch with people, to stay physically active, to stay mentally active, as you said, to read. Uh, I mean, it's really temp tempting, I think, to spend all day, every day in bed and not do anything. But that is bound to depress you because um, it, it's really important to schedule activity and 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 do some things that give you some kind of happiness. And for and for some people, that might be reading or films. And uh, ha happiness and meaning are the two main main things. So it's not just hedonism. You have to do something that makes you feel like your work, like your life is worth something. It's important to other people as well. All right, so so I want to ask you. Obviously, the natural follow up was you just mentioned uh, about what you eat. We have to watch out what we eat, and I think that is something, especially when it comes to mental health, uh, is actually ignored a lot. Your diet. Now, I'm not the expert here, but I try to read up as much as I can, and I try to stay honest as much as I can. And again, I, I'm I'm not I'm not talking about from the Western dietary point of view because. Uh, you know, primarily our audiences are Indian, even though Indians living outside India. So, I mean, the Indian food or the Indian dietary, uh, you know, matrix is, is kind of specific about ABC. Although I think Ayurveda has some very interesting uh, things about how your diet should be very much in sync with your inner nature. Uh, and uh, it talks about those things. And uh, no, I don't think that aspect of Ayurveda is booga booga. Uh, although homeopathy is booga booga, that's a different thing. But uh, my question to you is, what do you think? How much of a role does diet actually play when it comes to uh, you know our depression? And I'll give you an example. Like the most natural thing we do when we kind of feel you know down, we just go to the worst food 
food option on planet earth it's not like if i am feeling depressed i'm going and picking up a broccoli <laughs> eating broccoli the one thing i'm going to pick up is going to be potato chips and i'm going to gorge on those potato chips and sit and eat and eat till i you know uh, go go down to the uh, blaze of glory so what do you think are the reasons and how much of a role diet plays i don't i don't actually think that diet is a primary role for people to have depression but but i think if other things are happening and and people don't eat well i think it could possibly trigger and uh, and an episode where you might have been able to avoid one and the studies and as you might have guessed there haven't been a lot of studies on this because who's interested in uh, in funding a study on that diet i don't think there's any money in it to be made for for anyone it's not a drug uh, so so there have been a couple of studies and and there are some centers which work ma- mainly on on diet in Euro- europe and the us and the main ones say that a mediterranean diet is the way, way to go so that healthy fats like avocado and uh, olive and things like that there really aren't a lot of those in an indian diet the other one is a low sugar diet and and it's important to make the distinction that it's a low sh- sugar diet and, and not necessarily a low carb diet because a very low carbohydrate diet um some studies say say that that can make about a depression worse as well because uh, carbohydrates are needed uh, to manufacture some of the uh, of the neurotransmitters in the brain uh, and without that there won't be 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 enough of that and uh, there there are other people obviously and there's and there are a lot of ideas on the on the internet about depression being being about inflammation and uh, and therefore going for low low information foods but i have to say you know that's uh, that's fine i think if you're getting your nutrients i don't have an issue with that but there isn't any evidence for that so so if people want to do that i wouldn't stop them but the only thing that there is any evidence for is cutting down on sugar and having healthy fats and uh, complex carbs and uh, enough protein and and, uh, and good fats so before i take uh, the questions from the people who are watching it live i actually did want to ask you one last question which was mm-hmm. uh, about medication uh, mm-hmm. there's there is a lot of question uh, confusion when it comes to medication so some people so i'll give you two scenarios especially so so my reference point is johan hari's uh, two books on depression mm-hmm. yeah. and and uh, addiction uh, drug addiction mm-hmm. and stuff like that so johan hari kind of painted a picture in his book where in his opinion western society is actually if not anything over medicated they're mm-hmm. not under medicated they're far too much far too medicated and and most of the medication is under the diagnosis of a person being either clinically depressed or uh, or uh there are obviously other categories now mm-hmm. in my opinion uh the case on the other end in india is the complete opposite in india we have a lot of societal taboos uh, 
when it comes to the whole subject of depression itself uh mm. the subject of depression being that uh you know we don't take depression as a serious problem when somebody says are mujhe problem ho rahi hai that person would be like are ye to pagal hai you know it, it mm. this is the kind kind of attitude these are the kinds of answers we get in india all the time which is actually quite uh, abhorrent if you ask me mm. so so how does one draw the balance from the american over medication to the total negationism and denialism in india so how does one draw the balance okay i have to say that i don't think i agree with johan hari's uh book i didn't buy it because i read extracts of it and uh, and obviously i didn't i didn't agree with that i'm glad that whatever he did worked for him um but but i think most people who who are severely depressed or even moderately depressed will need me- medication and and i think you know there's still issues around talking about that like even now for instance on social media people are happy to talk about needing psychotherapy they're not so comfortable talking about needing medication but uh but it's really important and i think you know you do have a point that there is quite a bit of over medication and there have been a few st- studies that say that um when 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 other people have looked at patients on an antidepressant when other clinicians have looked at them and done a checklist to see if they if they are depressed the percentage was was actually quite quite low so so i uh, i think it is possible that that there are a lot of people who are getting an antidepressant phone phone at them because there isn't nobody has the time because of the way the medical system is structured to sit and and talk to them for some time and and find out what the what the issues are but i think even in the U- us there are quite a few people that are still not getting treatment when they need it and uh, i think a lot of those are people who are unable to talk about their feelings and uh, and and obviously men are men are high on that list because you know of social training that teaches you not to talk about it um I th- I think you're right in India that there is a lot of stigma and and even now if 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 you're depressed uh then people say things like I've actually heard people say things like oh oh she takes an antidepressant she's retarded or she's or she's mad or pagal hai and things like that and uh, and and I think you know there 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 really isn't anything else that you can do except continue to talk about it and uh, and that isn't just for me to do it's for it's for everybody who who knows about the existence of depression and anxiety to talk to other people about it it's the the antenas psychiatrist and psychologist to to this on their own and this is something that has to be done for society so so i think it's the job that everybody has to to educate other people about it 
So, so let's let's go further. So, I, I again, I I have to ask you this follow up. So, what is the current ratio? Let's say every country must be having a certain ratio, right? For per X number of people, we have these many psychiatrists. So, so how do we perform at that parameter? Do you have any idea for India? Like, are we good? Are we bad? Or we don't even it's have really, a number? It's really, really, it's really, really low. It's really, really low. I I I can't remember exactly what the numbers are, but. Uh, the last time i looked it was something quite ridiculous i think it was something like uh, like two or three uh, for for every 100000 people and i remember thinking it can't actually be that little but it was so and other countries other countries like i think i remember with the us and and germany are the ones that i remember they were about 10 or 15 times that so uh, so why do you think that is the case i mean uh, where have we failed to convince uh, at a societal level just a, a side co- you know corollary to this uh, do you think because india being an overtly uh, if people have a problem with the word religious although i think it's a perfectly natural word uh, do you think india being a very religious society that uh, that also has a role to play where kind of religion takes over the mantle of the psychiatry where faith kinds of takes the whole whole role you know faith kind of becomes a scaffolding on which you kind of lean on on your times of strife and that's why also we also have this whole thing where we don't take uh, depression seriously i think i think there's some truth in that but you know that's the case in india now but but it's historically been the case um in uh, you know the forebears of modern me- medicine the the um chemists uh, the astrologers and you, you know these these are the people who used to look after who were in charge of western me- medicine 5 or 600 year- years ago not actually all that long and uh, even now and and you and you're right that even now in india um, people do look at it from a point of view of religion and i hear people say they and it's regardless of religion hindus and muslims everybody you know if you if you have a man you won't be you won't be, be depressed if you live a dharmic life you won't be depressed and i and i really wish that that was true but the fact is that there's mention as you were saying earlier even in ayurveda of uh, of depression and the fact is that if you're going to tell me that when the vedas were written that people were not living a dharmic li- lifestyle even then um and yet people are are and were depressed so so it really has nothing to do with that but i think the reason that india has a, a shortage of psychiatrists is that while it may not look like it in mumbai there's quite a shortage of doctors overall and then there's a, there's a shortage of of psychiatry in training positions as well uh, so so really if the government wanted to change it and if it could afford to change it it would need to have maybe five times as many doctors and and then you might be able to have more more psychiatrists the number of surgeons is also quite low uh, low low in india 
the number of ophthalmologists is is low. So psychiatrists aren't particularly low by that standard. All right. So uh, let me ask you a question. Now, somebody from the live stream had asked. Uh, so they had asked how to cope when one goes through continuous judging from people, especially at the workplace. Is there a way one can find if he or she is clinically depressed by themselves? I think I think it's actually quite hard to know if you're depressed because usually this happens so slowly that you can persuade yourself that it's a normal thing. It's happening. It would it would happen to anybody, and uh, and because it's happening from inside, you don't realize what's ha happening, and and yet it happens. So so it's a good idea to talk to somebody you trust and see and. And see what they think if they if there have been changes. But in general, if you've lost weight without trying, or put on weight without trying, or you're not able to sleep, you're finding it hard to make decisions. You think all the time you've done something wrong. You you, you can't enjoy anything. You probably are depressed. All right. I actually somebody has put this comment here, and I I have to share this on the screen. And this is a very serious comment that we have more quacks than psychiatrists, unfortunately. And, and I'll tell okay. you, and I've seen, yeah, so I have seen this in my own life because yeah. we don't have trained psychiatrists in this country. And because we don't even take the damn profession seriously, we don't have any yeah. decent discussions around it. So it, the space is filled by her onga ponga uh, raste mein chalne wala expert i have all i don't remember who the hell made that comment i was like the one market that keeps on producing books year after year is the self help book i mean if mm -hmm. the self help criteria was so nice i mean we should have been done by 10 books but we have thousands mm -hmm. of books apparently nobody seems to be getting any help because those mm -hmm. self help books if they work we would not have these books mm -hmm. coming after mm -hmm. again and again and again but apparently they came so what is this? Why can't we trust psychiatrists? What is it that we have this this aversion that that you know people? I mean, I I can't even say in my own immediate family, I see people or my close friends. They go to an astrologer when they're feeling down. What kind of a person goes to an astrologer when you're feeling down? I mean, the astrologer will be like, "Ha, aapko ye problem hai. Aapke gran nakshatra ke hisab se ye hoga." If everything in life was so simple, damn, I would be Bill Gates right now. I would just find the perfect astrologer and my life would be good. And why isn't that astrologer Bill Gates right now is something I've never, never figured out. But can you explain this, 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 this damn them, I don't know how to put it in any other words other than irritating problem where astrologers also do the job of psychiatrists in India. I, th I think that's what uh, I think it's the way that Indians uh, tend to attribute re reasons to things, you know, that instead of thinking I've become depressed because of, of this happening, that happening. Uh, what they're more likely to think is, is you know, may, maybe, and I don't know enough about it, but maybe I have Mars in the wrong house or the moon is in the wrong house and I can do, do it. And uh, and I think, you know, uh, it's it's easier to uh, to think about it as being something that you don't need to do, do anything about. Where, whereas, uh, 
when you talk about therapy which is ne- needed uh, which is actually the first line of treatment for mild mild uh, depression which is what most people have it's actually quite hard work to uh, to to put in work into changing your yourself and to change the way you think and practice that and uh, and i don't think everybody is ready to do that it's it's a lot easier to uh, think uh, think it's like ma- magic i'll do x and y will happen and uh, yes i think it's a lack of scientific th- thinking as well unfortunately um i i personally have no problems with people going to going to uh, to to astrologers or to anybody else they want as long as they also also accept the kind of treatment had the need because it's really sad that lots of people go to astrologers and go here and go there and then they don't uh, actually get the kind of treatment they actually need and uh, and people die like this yeah and what hurts me the most is that look i i get it you need positive affirmation it's all about mm-hmm. sab theek ho jayega somebody needs to tell you sab theek ho jayega and you mix the old adage of hindi ghar ki murgi dal barabar so if ghar wala bolega sab theek ho jayega they will like yaar tu to 50 saal se bol raha hai kuch theek nahi ho raha hai to tu bolega to matter nahi karta wo bolega to matter karta it's it's that kind of thing i think it, i get it's not gullibility and it's actually very interesting i just finished the a book by hugo mercier and he actually talks about how we are not that gullible and how evolution has actually trained our mind to put these things and we basically tend to question uh, we tend to trust people who in our head we have given them the the mantle of expertise so mm-hmm. astrologers in this case have been given the mantle of expertise that you know they kind of have figured their shit out but one more question i i really like this question by someone on the live chat It's actually a good question. Anubhav Verma has asked, "What is the best way to deal with overwhelming but fleeting bouts of negative emotion?" I think this is a very good and very pertinent question. So, what do you think? What would you recommend if somebody uh, was to come to you and uh, something like that? I, I know you can't give the the entire clinical ex- answer, but yeah, let's say I can't. Yeah, yeah, and I'd just like to start off by saying that this isn't personal advice tailored to you, all right? But in general. in general a really good way of starting to deal with uh, with overwhelming bouts of negative emotions is is i don't know how many of your viewers have 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 heard about mindfulness and uh, and and it i would really recommend that more people looked at it and took it up because um, um it forms the basis of of one of the therapies that is really good for uh for dealing with overwhelming bouts of 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 unhappiness of misery so sometimes being able to distract yourself as well is important and that's an important difference say in between depression and these uh fleeting things you know you might be able to uh watch something funny for 5 minutes and distract yourself but but if it's still still there uh and there's evidence that mindfulness can actually teach you to look at uh to look at um 
your your emotions from the view viewpoint of an observer instead of of feeling that you're experiencing the whole thing and uh, and suffering that pain. And the other thing, obviously, is is that if there's it goes without saying that if there's something that you can do do about it, then actually do it. Solve solve the problem that's ma making you unhappy. If there's if there's if there's a problem in your ma marriage, cry and talk to the other person about it. If you don't like your job, try and look for other jobs. Try and do some problem solving around that. Uh, and, and sometimes that kind of unhappiness is giving you an indicator that there's something you you need to act on. So, so by mindfulness, you basically uh, you're saying vipassana, right? Vipassana or uh, those kinds of practices. I I haven't studied any vipassana, so so I can't I can't really comment on whether it it's a, it's the same thing, but. Uh, I say my mindfulness. Uh, when I talk about my mindfulness, for instance, if somebody is extremely distressed, a very sim simple thing that I might do is try and uh, five things you see, four things you can smell, three things you can touch, one thing you can taste, yeah, four, four things you can hear, things like that. Try, try, and or or sometimes it might be. Five things of all your senses. So try and and feel everything. So I don't really know if that's the same as vipassana because I haven't studied studied that. So it's about right. try and and ground yourself in your senses and in your body and not in and not in these emotions because if you think about it, these emotions are not about right here, right now. Try and. And be in the moment of right here, right, right now, and you'll be able to distract yourself for long, long enough to, to, get over that emotion for now. Yes, yeah, so, so exactly. That's what vipassana is. I and I and I remember. I forgot the guy who was the the person who came up with the word mindfulness. He basically went to a Buddhist monk and took yes, it. He did. Uh, it from yes, there so and then yes, he changed it a little bit here and there he basically yes, organized it, it a little more so yeah mm -hmm. so it, it so because these things about uh you know your momentary existence and thoughts are not a continuum they're basically single point uh, single point mm -hmm. events and you basically where the self being the illusion and when you look at your thoughts when you're meditating and when you're mm -hmm. basically observing your thoughts and you just see thoughts coming by moment to moment and passing by you yes. and then you you you're, so uh, i kind of can relate to what you're saying so yeah so, yeah it it definitely helps uh, although I, I i i'm guilty of stopping uh, uh, practicing uh, uh, meditation yes. now yes. for and a, that's one th and that's one thing that i would recommend as well that uh, mindfulness me meditation like um, I suppose uh, it would be the same as Vipassana then as I said I don't know enough about it but you're saying it's the same thing and that's something that you know there's evidence that uh, that it does help in mild anxiety and depression it's not going to cure a severe uh, a severe bout of depression but uh, but it helps people to deal with day-to-day -day issues, dramas. 
fair, fair enough. I think, yeah, even that, and I've heard some, some stump reports. I don't know. You should correct me if I'm wrong. Even, um, I think uh, your breathing exercises of a particular kind, I think some sort of yoga, some sort of pranayama and uh, all those exercises also. W what I feel this is, is any activity uh, where your mind is focused on a particular job and you kind of, uh, uh, I mean, uh, you basically are focused and you have a task at hand. It tends to, it, it kind of distracts you sometimes uh, from all the other things that go on in your life. And maybe that is one of the reasons that people, you know, who go armed forces, uh, when they go into combat, they're actually fine in the middle of combat. And they're mm -hmm. perfectly fine around mm -hmm. bombs and bazookas blasting. But what, what happens to them is when they come back home, they go into extreme bouts of depression, which I have never, I, I mean, I can't even fathom that. I can't even wrap my head around it. But then I started reading up on it and, uh, and, uh, I, I so what they were missing is that sense of camaraderie which they had with i guess with their platoon or their or their entire command base and they had a mission and it's like now you don't have a mission life doesn't have a mission so how does one one and this will be my last question uh, i assure you uh, how does one actually develop that discipline of finding a mission in life because it sounds very easy but I, i'll give you my example i'll be very open about it so i was an overweight obese person at least till the last four years of my life. I, I, if I remember from the age of 21 till the age of, let's say, 35, I was obese. I was overweight. I had gone up to 96 kgs. And I clearly remember that one day in my life when I looked at the weighing scale and I saw myself at being 96 kgs in weight, I was like, that's it. This can't happen. I'm going down. And I started working hard. It was like I was a man on a mission. And today, in hindsight, when I have lost all that weight, become fit. I mean, I couldn't play uh, badminton. I I was injured. I, I could not do any activity because uh, what what I enjoyed. And today when I look at myself, I can, I'm fit now. I can like run wherever I want to run. I can do basically pretty good, decent physical exercises, which involve cardio, uh, cardio, because my lung capacity has increased a lot. But what I realized was it, it was that moment where my mind basically got a mission that okay, this is enough. But where I see is it doesn't work like that for everyone. Like for me, it was natural. I have to do it. I did it. But why doesn't it work for everyone else? What, what happens in our mental makeup that we're just not able to do it then? I think you're talking about, you know, people do know when they need to lose lose weight and so and so and so on. But but I don't know what that has to do with depression. I mean, it's not like if you had been depressed and losing weight would have cured your depression. It's not like, I don't think it really uh, works like that. Although I'm sure, you know, and this is something to remember that this achievement that you've had of lo losing all this weight, I'm sure it's given you a sense of achievement and what we call ma mastery. And that kind of gives people, I wouldn't quite say an inoculation, but um, you know, if you if you achieve something like like that, you feel you've done something, you've achieved something with with your life. I don't really know how people can find uh, can find a purpose for their lives. I think that's more a philosophy thing, or uh, or it depends on 
I think I think in general people have to think about what their own va- values are and what's more important to them. Like I suspect to you, for I'm sorry for you just from what you said, it was obviously important for you to be able to run, run around and play and be able to uh, get out there and do the things that you, you used to enjoy when when you were thin. And for some people, it's going to be uh, and it might be something that has nothing to do with work. It might be that uh, what gives your life focus is mu- music or what gives your life me- meaning is travel, which isn't ha- happening anywhere at the moment. But but uh, it's something that everybody has to wor- work out for themselves. And people who don't, um, they're... You talked about weight, and there are lots of reasons why people can lose weight and don't lose weight and and lose weight. But uh, so so that's a different issue there there altogether. But if you talk about why do some people not even try, uh, it might be that some people have decided already that it's it's a learned help helplessness, and they think it won't work anyway. So what's the point of trying? Um, they're not really. Uh, they give give up already before they try. But I think it might not be as important to everybody as it was to you. So, so I mean, it's a question of what's important to them. It was probably more important to you than it is to m- many people who who don't even try. As I said, there are plenty of people who try and don't and don't lose weight, and that's another issue altogether. Fair enough. Uh, I think uh, it also, I don't know how much of it has got to do with your inner genetic makeup. I'm not the expert. I'm not the mm. scientist here, so I really don't know. But but with me, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I, I'm going to be very honest. I'm a very driven person. Like, I need challenges in life. And and that that moment in my life i'll never forget i just i it, it, that scene is so etched into my memory when i saw 96 kilos i would just i just wanted to take a hammer and smash that weighing scale in my brain i did and i was like never again this is not happening again in my life i am not going to that 96 kg digital scale again in my life it's not going to happen to me and maybe it was my ego i don't know what it was i guess it we all uh, have an ego. I, I guess in my case, I had a bit more of an ego than mm-hmm. needed, but I couldn't take it. I just, I was like, in my head, it went, you piece of shit, how dare you? <laughs> my, I channeled my inner Greta Thunberg, I guess. So <laughs> I don't know what, what did I do there. But yeah, so 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 I guess we'll wrap things up. Uh, now, Nainika, first of all, uh, if uh, somebody, look, uh, I know it's very hard. Uh, so uh, before I actually ask you this question, so let me. My whole aim of doing this podcast, first of all, I'm very sorry about the snag in in the middle. I mean, it's sometimes you know in life shit happens, and my internet yep. just gave up. So, so yep. first of all, very sorry about that, and sorry to everybody who's going to be who's who's watched this live. So sorry, guys. You know, it usually doesn't happen, but yeah, in 120 podcasts, if I have a mess up here and there, so I'm allowed that. But I wanted to do this discussion because I take depression and stuff like this very seriously. I Mm. have seen people in my own friend circle. I have seen people in my extended friend circle suffer from mild depression. 
so i i take this stuff very seriously and i hate it when our culture when you know people just go around saying are ye to pagal hai are ye to aisa hai are ye to aisa hai no 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 it's people are not me- mentally ill people are not crazy they are ill just like we have physically ill mm-hmm. people we have mm-hmm. mentally ill people so if you have words like that uh, i'm sorry to say you're an ass if you treat people like that mm-hmm. you're actually heartless you you you're you're not that so so nainika let's look we live in the world of social media so uh would if somebody was having some problems and obviously you know they can't talk about it in the open everybody cannot do that so w- would could they contact you on twitter and then you guys could take it offline could something of that would you be open to that yes i'd be open to that i might not be able to help everybody but i will be able to put you in touch with then with somebody who can help All right cool guys then the yeah I have added Nanika's Twitter handle in the description of the podcast so it doesn't matter if you're listening to this uh, video on YouTube watching this video on YouTube or you're going to be listening to this on SoundCloud or Stitcher or whatever or the audio format her Twitter handle is going to be in the description of the podcast if you are one of them who maybe thinks they're depressed or is feeling down or he needs or she needs or whatever your gender is needs uh some kind of help some kind of guidance don't be afraid to reach out the biggest problem is the social stigma and when people think that if i reach out about mental health issues i'm some sort especially with guys men speak up you're not I really a boss want to- I really want to say this I really want to say this as well that you know and that suicide is the I'm not, I'm not entirely sure about India but in developed countries suicide is the biggest killer of young men aged age 25 to 45 and uh, and, I, and I think it's absolutely tra- tragic so and I'd like to say to everybody there who's listening and uh, if you if you think about suicide uh stop and you can't stop thinking about it try and contact somebody and get help and please don't please don't act on it there there are actually people who who care whether you believe it or not and there are people who who will miss you i think we could not have ended the podcast on a better note nayanika thank you very much for coming on the podcast finally so so you know we have a first time podcast from nainika and it's an honor for me because i have so much respect for you that you know you you did it you did it at the chawar podcast so once again thank you very much no thank you thanks bye everyone all right all right guys you know the drill if you like the podcast please like subscribe share you know the drill if you want to support the podcast you can become a member on youtube you can go on patreon.com/charvak and you can join the charvak podcast patreon club where we discuss various books i think this sunday we're going to be discussing a paper last sunday also we discussed the paper on the saraswati river and on that note i'll take your leave namaste take care goodbye see you next time <laughs>